Hey everyone, it's Tom Kradza, and on this episode of the Your Life, Your Term show, I sit down with Fabio Campanella and Angelo Vumbaka from Vumbaka Law. Fabio is someone who's, I would consider him an expert now at estate planning, and he deals with a lot of people who have built some sizable real estate portfolios and are now looking for things like tax efficiencies, how to bring life insurance policies into their lives to accomplish some tax efficiencies, how to build a portfolio and then pass it down to the next generation. He handles accounting as well. So he does a lot of that stuff with real estate investors. And something that's become very obvious to him is the lack of a good will with some people who have built real estate portfolios. So it was his idea to bring on Angelo Vumbaka from Vumbaka Law on who specializes in putting airtight wills together for people. And I didn't quite understand the importance of a will until recently. Nick and I have always had them, but I think now when Angelo breaks it down and you just hear what the government does first, if you don't have a will, and then once you understand all the components of a will and how you should be laying them out properly, you realize that having an, a will and an updated will is really important, especially if you've built some assets in your life. And especially if you're hoping to pass those on to the next generation. So in this episode, we dive into that specific specific topic of estate planning, your will, how to build one, why it's important, how the government looks at all the different moving pieces of it. So I really want to thank both of these guys for coming on and having that chat. And listen, if you are listening to this and you want to dive into the real estate market and you're trying to make sense of it and you're trying to decide if it's right for you, you can get a free copy of one of our most popular books called Income for Life. And you can get a free digital copy of that book at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That particular book has been downloaded tens of thousands of times here in Canada. Tons of the Rockstar community credit that book with getting them started in their real estate investing journey. You can get a free digital copy of that book, Income for Life for Canadians, at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's enough with the intro. Let's get on with the show. Are you ready to live life on your terms? Is it time to take charge? Real estate, business building, the economy, health and nutrition, and more. It's the Your Life, Your Term Show with Tom and Nick Carazza. Are you ready? Let's go. Okay, we are live with Fabio Campanella and Angelo Vumbaka. Did I say it properly? Excellent. Okay, Perfect. great. It's the Italian festival episode of yeah. <laughs> Your Life, Your Terms. We're going to bring Paul just pizza. Yeah. yeah. But let's talk about something really important before, before we get started. What's going on with the, I don't know if you guys follow soccer or not. This might be news to you. You probably don't know this, but Italy isn't in the upcoming World Cup. But now I heard there's a way, there's a waiter that, a restaurant here in Oakville that we go to, an <laughs> Italian waiter was explaining to me how they're going to get in. First of all, he told me that Italy isn't going to get in because there was enough bets uh, by the Italian mafia for them to lose against North Macedonia. That the <laughs> loss was intentional yeah. against North Macedonia. That makes sense. And that, and that, uh, that, was a, that, was, that was a done deal. That was totally set up to lose so some guys can make a whole bunch of money. But now there's two countries that are facing some sort of sanctions. I don't know if it's Iran and another country that might not be in the World Cup. And so he's saying there'll be a couple spots and Italy's probably going to get in. And if they get in, they're going to win. So now I've gone again as a, as a, my, I, Angela, I didn't let you know this. My father's Croatian. Oh, so, okay. you know, we grew up, he's like a diehard soccer fan, Croatia That's forever. Awesome. Like, you know, and, uh, 
he, uh, he, he, he this uh, this waiter is explaining to me how Italy not only are they going to get in, they're going to win. And I'm like, uh, well, they did win the Euro. I mean, if they get in, it's kind of Euro. like this all-star yeah. crew. They they could get in. We are trying to get tickets for Qatar. I also mentioned this to our our because you know why? Because Croatia is going to play Canada. Yeah, that's I, I gotta, pretty. I intense. mean, that's kind of fun. There, like yeah. when when that seems pretty yeah. something I wouldn't mind checking out. Yeah. And. Uh, so we'll see. Nobody seems too interested to go to Qatar when I say that, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah, it's not the first uh, my first choice. I've, I know nothing about it, but you know. But anyway, so I don't know how closely you guys track this, but you should know Italy's currently not in the World Cup. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I'm a big soccer fan. You, you got. You have to come. So, Angelo's making himself comfortable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got. Unfortunately, you got to lean up right, right. into this. <laughs> You're, oh, so tell us. I, tell I'm us. a big soccer fan. I don't want to waste too much time talking about it. I have a lot of Croatian friends, by the way, and. Uh, we are big fans of each other's teams until we meet with each other. We, we meet up against each other. But um, as far as your friend at the restaurant, I think he's pulling your leg. So uh, we'll just leave it at that. I don't think Italy has a chance. To yeah, I think they're out, man. Yeah. Listen, every time I think Italy's out of some soccer tournament, it, they, come out, they, they somehow get in or they win. How many World Cups have we all seen when it's 0 0 0 0? Then they're on to the next round with a 1 0 yeah. penalty shootout. I mean, Italy's got this incredible knack. They figure it out. They just figure it out. They figure it out. <laughs> they figure it out. <laughs> the Croatians, I feel like, always give Italy a hard time because they kind of play with their elbows pretty liberally. Like, Croatians, mm -hmm. they're not going to take crap. And Italy plays a different style. So the Croatians are going to come in strong yeah. with the elbows, and Italians don't really play they that do style. The acting thing, you know, they yeah. hit the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all serious. It's all serious. It's all serious. <laughs> but but uh, so, Fab, you um, had this great idea to bring Angelo in here. Yeah. Kick us off. Okay, I'll kick you off. Obviously, um, anybody who's listened to this podcast regularly may have heard about estate planning. Um, I've come on and talked about estate planning life insurance a couple of times. I teach a course for you guys on estate planning life insurance. The big limitation um, with my expertise when it comes to estate planning, life insurance, or transferring an estate to the next generation is really the legal aspect of it. I know enough about it to really start causing damage with my recommendations. So, you know, people talk about probate planning, people talk about uh, secondary wills, so on and so forth. And I, I want to even bring it back to the basics, right? What is a will? Um, what happens when you pass away without a will and you have assets that you want going to the next generation? If we have time, maybe with the basics of a trust, putting assets into trust. But this is why I brought Angelo on. Angelo is my number one resource for this kind of stuff. He's the first guy I go to when I have when I have uh, an estate issue from a legal perspective. And, and why is that? Sorry, I, I know you know a lot of people. So why Angelo specifically? Angelo specifically because he just knows it like the back of his hand. So I don't want... Okay, so this goes yeah. to what we were talking about, how you kind of got pulled into this over the last however many years and he's become an expert. Exactly. So when I when I have... I, I want to be able to send one email to the lawyer and then forget about it completely. It's not something I really want to be too involved in because once my, I start getting involved in something that I'm not qualified to do, then, you know, problems start arising. And Fab, for people who have are new to the podcast and haven't heard you before... So back up one step. Yep. Who are you and what do you do? Right. So I'm Fabi Campanella. I'm, <clears throat> I run the Campanella Group, which is really a family office if you look at it. Uh, it's an accounting firm combined with an investment firm combined with an estate planning life insurance firm. So I look at the whole uh, gamut of financial planning, tax planning, and investment planning for my clients. 
and all, what I have, what I am, I'm the quarterback that brings you to, okay, you need this lawyer, you need this professional, you need this valuator, you need this realtor, so on and so forth. So I, I stand at the top, I say, okay, give me the bird's eye view of the client's, uh, of the client situation. And I bring you to the right professionals. That's kind of the way you want to. And look. you're seeing it over the years where people just don't have a will at all. They think they have a will. Maybe it's very, uh, old. Um, they have incorrect beneficiary designations on life insurance policies, RSPs, TFSAs. They have, um, tax planning, probate planning opportunities with second wills. Maybe they need an estate freeze. There's a lot of issues with people's wills because what happens is when people get married and when they start off the process, you know, money's tight. They get a will kit. They go to whomever it is, you know, my uncle who's an almost sure. retired lawyer drafted my will. I remember those wills that you could buy at Grandin Toy. Is Grandin Toy even around anymore? I don't think so. I don't so, think so it? either. I don't but remember Grandin Toy? Yeah, I remember. And they had those like carousels yeah. and you buy a will buy a kit. Will. And 50 like bucks. Time, yeah, yeah, right? And 50 bucks and then you're going to have a $500,000 problem. Okay, so so how do we begin then here with Angelo? Is it what what is a will? Where, where I, I would say the best place to start is, okay, we have a family who are investment uh excuse me, real estate investors. And they have a nice little portfolio of investment properties. They have uh, a cottage and they have their primary home, two or three children that they want to leave thing, the, these, uh, these assets to. What is the problem, Angelo, that you see if they die without a will? Well, I mean, anyone that owns at least one asset should have a will. Um, and it's shocking how many people don't. Uh, I've been doing this for 25 years, I was mentioning to you before, and it amazes me every time I get the call, you know? I'll get a call from someone who's like, you know, my dad passed away, my mom passed away, someone dear to me passed away, and uh, what do I do? I know they have some assets, you know, in various jurisdictions. I'll be like, okay, no problem. Send me a copy of the will, we'll start with that. Oh, I don't think there is one. I don't know if there is one. It, it's sorry, and I'm sorry to. You know, we're dealing. It's so funny you're saying this today. An email just came into us where someone is having some health issues. The daughter was able to figure out in the hospital that this person owns some assets, but that's all they know. Yeah. They don't know if there's a will. They don't know where the assets are. In this case, it's some rental property. They don't know where the they don't know the addresses of the properties. Right. They think they're in Ontario. That's all they know, and they're now trying to piece together the information. So I guess you're right. Like I'm just shocked when I see that kind of thing. You know, it's so important that I say this because most people don't believe me, and and I can tell by you know your reaction. So just to give you an example, I get calls from people like I, I do work with various trust companies the banks they'll refer me clients to prepare their wills um, because the banks are conflicted out whenever they're appointed executors and, and, and things like that and attorneys under uh, financial powers of attorney and I'll meet with so many people from all different walks of life and you'd be so surprised there are people with a lot of assets that never even thought about getting a will done I'll give you an example of last week I met with a couple that were referred to me, an elderly couple. I would say they were mid to late 80s, um, and they were referred to me by an existing client, so they came to me 
on a referral basis, meaning they trusted their friend who sent them to me, who's been a client of mine for many, many, many years. And husband and wife, and the wife was actually very poignant and actually I would say almost confrontational with me in her questioning about why she needed a will. And she actually said to me, why do I need a will? And I said, well, and I started explaining the reasons why. She said, well, that's ridiculous. It's just an excuse for lawyers to make money and the government to charge taxes. And I said, well, I can see how you see that. But, you know, you're talking about someone who amassed quite a bit of assets during their lifetime. Not just, you know, a home today in the GTA is worth a million minimum, I would say, right? A couple, yeah. Some money in the bank, maybe RSPs, a pension, some life insurance. You know, it's not hard to hit three to five million dollars for the average family by the date of death. I would say that's even a really low number nowadays if you live in the GTA. And that's not being pretentious in any, by any means, but we know what the value of real estate is uh, in the GTA. So anyway, going back, what I would say is to the beginning is why do you need a will? It's simple. When you die, you ne someone needs to know what to do with your assets. If you don't tell them in a legal document, then what happens is the government, meaning we have laws that will dictate what happens to your assets. So this, this and what is it that happens if you don't have a will? So if you die without a will, you're, it's called intestate. You are dying intestate without a will. Testate means you have a will. Intestate means you die without a will. And we have specific laws that govern the distribution of your assets um, pursuant to an intestacy. Oh, sorry, is that too far? No, you're good, you're good. So, you know, when you start explaining to people, okay, so you don't have a will, um, so you really don't care. You know, my example to the elderly woman, <clears throat> you don't care what happens to all your assets then. So the government's gonna determine that a certain proportion or percentage goes to your spouse. And then the balance is divided among your children according to certain, you know, distribution, how many kids there are. The and the government has a formula for this? There is, yeah. Holy yeah. smokes. This is embedded in legislation. Um, it's, there's specific acts that deal, acts meaning laws, that, that deal with the distribution of assets, just like the Family Law Act deals with how you would equalize assets upon a separation or divorce. But this is horrible. If somebody passes away accidentally without a will, the government just has this formula that dictates how the estate's handled? Never mind old age. Well, right. Yeah, logically, they would have to. Otherwise, what would happen? Yes, I've just never thought about this. I've, I feel like I've had some sort of will ongoing for a while now. Right. But um, I mean... Ultimately, like right now as a tax planner, financial planner, all kinds of red flags are popping up on the play here, right? You know, if we're going by what the government <coughs> is telling us and you have a bunch of assets, Angelo, right? Um, and obviously I don't want, nobody has any of the laws memorized, but you know, you have a house, a cottage, a this, a that, a the other, and you die intestate, you know, certain things are going to go over to the spouse. We're going to get our tax-free roll over there. Certain things are going to go to the children. That's going to trigger tax to the estate. Mm -hmm. Then who's going to be the executor? The executor is supposed to be a fiduciary for the, the who, debtor. Who is the executor in that case? Yeah. So you have a will, you get to pick who's going to be your executor. If you don't have a will and you're dying intestate, then basically what happens is you someone has to come forward. 
Someone with a vested interest will usually come forward, meaning a beneficiary. It may be a child, a spouse, right? A, a distant relative who has a vested interest in seeing this estate administered, right? Or these assets distributed. So how do, what do they do? Well, they have to hire a lawyer, and the lawyer will prepare paperwork to go to court and explain to the court why they would be the best suitable person to be the estate trustee or the executive. Now, if it's not an immediate relation, meaning a spouse or a child, and not even a child, if the spouse is deceased and there are children, they would be the obvious choice, the de facto choice of the court. But it gets more complicated than that, right? If there is a non-resident who's applying, the rule is that you have to post a bond with the court. Why? So this was another, this was a funny little exchange I had with this, this woman. By the way, they were Asian. So they were permanent residents, but they were from China and they moved here, I think, in the 70s and they've been here ever since. No children. Um, a few relatives that all lived outside of Canada. The U.S., and so it was a non-resident who was trying to be the executor. No, I'm going to explain to you oh. where I'm going with this. So the issue is they were both elderly. So one of them dies, the spouse, the surviving spouse would apply um, to be the uh, executor because they're resident in Ontario, not even Canada. The courts want you to be resident in the province in which the assets to be administered are primarily oh, wow. located. Okay, it, There's a lot of complications with wills and estate planning that people are unfamiliar with. And that's what baffles me. I want to make a, just a little <laughs> sidebar note here is that people will go online and download a will for 50 bucks. Some of those are my friends for sure. Are they? <laughs> well, listen. Tom, I saved all this money. I have a will. I filled in some blanks. I filled in the blanks here. And I've seen them. I've seen them. <laughs> And, you know, it baffles me because if you own anything, yeah. <laughs> anything that's worth something. Listen, why wouldn't you we see that all the time. We help people buy rental property. We can get them to spend $800,000 on a property. Sometimes we can't get them to spend 50 bucks to advertise the property yeah. that it's available for rent. Right. You know, like we're like, how did we fail so bad on this part where we were able to get you to actually buy the thing? But uh, I can I see think, that. And the answer is very simple, right? It's about education right you have to educate people not in a in an arrogant way but you know not everybody knows this stuff that's why we're here today right fab's here talking about you know accounting and tax which you know i'm not an expert on so he talks about that i'll talk about the legal aspect of it and i find that most of the time just like that nice couple in my office last week it was just hilarious we were just sitting there listening to it, and they were you know they just wouldn't accept the fact that they need a will Right. So anyway, there's people like that. And by the time they left my office, they understood. And in fact, they had even asked me to be their estate trustee by the end of it, which is a big compliment. Right. I typically decline that, uh, that position. I'll always refer them to a friend or someone else because, you know, there's a lot. There's quite a bit of money in this business of estate planning. OK. You've got the largest transfer of wealth happening in human history in the next 10 years with the baby boomers aging and dying. And 
all of those assets that fall within an estate that are going to be administered, people don't understand, say, oh, I'm going to pick this guy to be the estate trustee or my youngest kid or my cousin Larry. What they don't understand is, A, it is an extremely difficult job, extremely difficult. It takes typically three to five years to administer an estate from start to finish, and that's a moderate estate with basic assets. If it's a complex estate with, you know, family trusts, multi, you know, numerous properties, foreign jurisdiction properties and all that, you're looking at 10 years. So the law and, and the courts have recognized this onerous, onerous job, and they have prescribed compensation for executors because otherwise you appoint somebody as an executor, they're going to kill themselves for this thankless job, not get paid for it. What's in it for them? So the question I always get is, well, how much can an executor charge to be an executor? Well, let me tell you that the banks in this country, and you know, I, I'm going to name one of them in particular, which is one I do a lot of business with, which is TD, and the Canada Trust Company, built their business being corporate executors. They made a lot of money doing this. Really? Oh, yeah. And they continue to make a lot of money doing this. Um, and one would say, well, that sounds kind of under... No, it's not underhanded. They serve a vital role. I'll give you the example of the couple that was in my office that they've got no one else to pick who's a resident to be an estate trustee. They had a sister. The woman has a sister who's 90 years old. I said, that's not a good choice. You pick somebody <laughs> yeah. who's going to be around by the yeah, time sure. yeah, yeah. You, know, you die, right? So... In cases like that, and believe it or not, I get quite a few of those where they have nobody. Like uh, I've had couples come to me that no children, no grandchildren, no relatives. I'm like, so they choose someone at the bank. So what I typically would do is I would push them into in the direction of speaking with their bank, whichever one it is. They have trust department. The big five have trust division. I had no idea. Yeah, and they act as corporate executors. And it's so. Let me explain to you why they do this, right? So. A, it's very efficient. I will always refer them to the bank. People will ask me, what about you? And I can charge the same amount of money as a bank for doing the same job. However, most of the time I prefer not to. There are lawyers that have set up a business of being estate trustees. Okay? It's very lucrative. Just like personal injury lawyers, you know, you hear about these 30% you know, contingency fees. So what's prescribed by the legislation is... 5%. So typically the fee is 2.5% of capital receipts coming into the estate, 2.5% on disbursements, distributions going out. So 5%. Think about it. A million bucks, $50,000 would be the minimum. Wow. Then if there are trusts within the will for minor children, disabled individuals, spousal trusts, there is an ongoing management fee for managing these trusts. And that's negotiable with the bank. Um, I know that the banks will typically, the more money you're giving them to uh, settle, okay, or administer, the lower the fee, obviously. There needs to be an incentive for you to go to them, right? So I've seen these fees go from 5% down to 3% for some estates that are 10, 20, 30 million dollars. And then the bank will administer these. So let's say you've got children who are under 18. 10, 12 years old, parents are gone, and everything goes to them. Well, they can't get anything by law until they're 18. 
or whatever the parent decides. A lot of times the parent will set up trusts at different, you know, milestones. They'll get a third at 18, another third at the age of 25, maybe the balance at 30, sure. because they feel that they're too young and immature to handle all that kind of money. But somebody's got to be administering these investments for the kids and for their benefit. Yeah, makes sense. Right? So they get paid for that. So it's a very lucrative area. Now, I don't know, for some reason, I just hate hearing about it. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. it it's, it's starting to make sense to me. I had no idea. I didn't know no. this was well, like there's a many division. People, there's many people involved. If we rewind, you know, for people who have never heard of this, it all makes sense to me. It all makes sense to you. But for people who have never heard of this, I think it's because our family comes from nothing, Fab. So there was never, this (laughs) is a new concept to us. There was nothing to administer at any level of our family until maybe this generation. Until this generation, (laughs) that's going to be with a lot of like immigrant families, right? But the the reality is that you have to face it and there's going to be a huge wealth transfer. So if we rewind back, we look at the, the relationship of the different individuals. There's the people that are passing away, okay, who have assets. They, when they pass away, de facto right like the assets go to their estate which is a form of it's a trust Mm -hmm. so let's say from a tax perspective we call it now a graduated rate estate and this becomes formed immediately after someone's death that estate must be administered and managed by someone and that's the estate trustee or also known as the executor okay that individual so there's the people that died their estate the beneficiaries to the estate, the people who get the benefit of the estate, and the executor or estate trustee who manages that estate. The executor has a fiduciary, and correct me if I'm wrong, but the executor has a fiduciary responsibility or a fiduciary duty to the creditors of the estate. To the beneficiaries. And to the beneficiaries. Right. And to the CRA. Okay? So the person you are choosing, you want to choose that person you don't want the government choosing that person for you. So to me, that is one of the most important things, all right? Because this particular person that you choose, you want to make sure that they have everybody's best interest in them, not that they just want to scoop up some money, right? This is a huge role, Yeah, I didn't right? know they can get paid. It kind of bothers me that they can get paid, I'll tell you. Well, it's, it's, it's a very... But I see, I, I, I understand now. I, I, I understand better right. now. But I just yeah. as new as hearing this for the first time, right. I'm like uh, personally, I never accept the position yeah, yeah, yeah. as a state trustee. I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't care how much it's just not I'm not interested yeah, yeah. in it. But I get it. Like as someone like in, in your in your situation, if you're asked this all the time and you accept this, you could be spending huge chunks of your weeks and months doing this stuff. So I, I get it now. I mean, it's, it's better uh, that that's all you do. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Right. So that's why Angela just to give a caveat here. This is why Angelo refers to the banks that they have a division. Yeah, that's all they're good they at it. You kind of outsource it. Yeah, that's all they. Do. I should I should point out I don't only refer to the banks. I know people who it's their business and their profession makes sense to do this. Yeah, and most of them are lawyers, mm-hmm. uh, but not always. And because you need people who know what they're doing, who know their way around the system. So the reason I decline this a lot of times is. You know, maybe as I get older, I won't as I start scaling back what I'm doing now. But I'm so busy now doing everything else that it would just absorb all my time. Yeah, Honestly. I get that now. You For know? some reason, I just yeah. thought it was like, hey, some get the assets all listed out, you know, 
chop it up. Okay, this person's getting this, this person's getting that. We got some bills to pay. It's in an afternoon. But you're, you know, like we just do it in an afternoon. But you're assuming it's a clean estate. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, but uh, but even that, you're right. If there's properties to be sold, calculating the taxes on it, who owns it? Was there somebody else on the property? Is there joint ventures to think about? The bank fees? There's all these things. There's many many things. And then you know the other thing that I'm sure you see that I see. Um, when I, whenever I'm planning an estate or do, putting in a life insurance, perfect example today, I got a client inquiry and, um, it's a relatively young couple, 39 and, uh, I think they were 39, 40 years old, three children. And one of the children is severely disabled, right? So heavy real estate investors, very illiquid. Where do we get the liquidity to take care of this yeah. child yeah, got who it. will live full term? Yeah, you need someone who's going to manage that. I get it now. Right? Yeah, yeah. Where are you going to get the cash, right? So they don't have a will. Obviously, I'm going to be introducing them to to Angelo. They don't have a will. So what happens? We have all these illiquid assets. If they were to die in a car accident tomorrow. God. What's going to happen to these young children? Right. And And then to Angelo, your point is just about the baby boomers. Now, like my father's 82 turning 83. I feel like that's leading edge of the baby boomers. But anyway, I feel like it's the next 10 or 15 years. This is going to be like a train wreck because there's going to be a lot of people. I'm thinking a lot of those Europeans that came here, maybe like my father and my mother who came here, don't understand these things. And there's going to be a lot of them that are not prepared. And, right. Uh, right. Yeah. Wow. I, I, or they'll have a will that's thirty years old. Right. Yeah. That that's a bad thing, obviously. But I think I'll take it a step further. What's the real problem today is that because there is such a large pending transfer of wealth, that it draws all the charlatans and the sharks out. Okay. So what? Yeah. Who are the? Who are they? And believe it or not, it's family. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Okay, give us an example. So, yeah, what what would so, happen? So the example it doesn't was, surprise me, but yeah, how, right. how does it work? Oddly enough, you know, I, I I didn't want to make it seem like most elderly people don't have wills. That's not the case. I would say there's a small percentage, um, but for me, any percentage is too big. Okay, the bigger problem today is that because there's so much money involved, that litigation in the estates sphere has gone through the oh, roof. got it. So what you have is disgruntled beneficiaries or disgruntled children or relatives who have been cut out of the will contesting the will upon the death of wow. uh, uh, the parent or the individual. And there are lawyers that I've seen it. Like I had one lawyer say to me, I don't practice uh, litigation, okay? I'm a planner, I, I do more administration. So when something gets contentious, I'll bring in a, an estate litigator. And uh, my colleague said to me, said, you know, Angelo, he said, um, there's going to be more money in this than personal mm-hmm. injury. Oh, yeah. Um, it feels right like now. it. Oh, yeah. And the pot of but, money is right there. So, and oh, they yeah. get it first. So now, uh, sorry, I'm curious. I have a feeling it's a long answer. But if, how do you make it so that your estate or will can't be contested? There is no way. What you can do. I was hoping and, for a and long answer way, that was no. really good. I didn't know it was going to be, a, be sim- a simple, yeah. horrible answer. Yeah, no, it is a horrible answer. You want to bulletproof it right. as much as you can. So, what we're trying to do is in 
Canada, and this is all over the world, but primarily, I, I think I should have started off by explaining that, you know, our law is a common law-based system, based on English law, right? And what that means is we don't have what's called forced airship, which is what exists in civil law jurisdictions. Europe, for example, Croatia, France, Portugal, Italy, um, Spain, um, many of the South American countries, um, and Quebec in Canada. The other provinces in Canada are all common law jurisdictions, okay? So what does that mean? That means common law is law created by courts uh, through precedent and court cases over the years and interpreting legislation and the courts, whatever they've deemed to be the highest court of the land, deems to be the fairest interpretation of a law, is what the law will be, okay? Now that has permitted us the English tradition of having what we call testamentary freedom. Testamentary freedom means that you can decide who you want to leave your assets to when you die within certain limitations. The biggest limitations or restrictions are there are family law provisions. You as a married individual cannot leave nothing to your wife or to your dependents. So we have dependent support uh, and relief provisions uh, that protect uh, people that you have are dependent upon you, that you have treated uh, as your dependents, meaning you've provided for them, like children who are disabled or, you know, have never worked and you've provided for them their whole lives. They expect that same standard of, of living, just as a spouse is entitled to all those rights under the Family Law Act. Okay. Aside from the big ones like that, you know, the law says you, you have freedom to decide, you know, I've got three kids. They're all on their own. They're all doing pretty good. You know, I've, I, I, when I speak, I'm going to give you real life examples without naming names, obviously, of files I've worked on. So I have one file, you know, um, that's in litigation now uh, where the father in his 90s came to me and, you know, he was uh, Italian, you know, worked in construction. You know, he had amassed, you know, some assets during his lifetime. Nicest man fought in the war, Second World War, was a prisoner, told me his whole life story, smartest guy on the planet. He would drive to my office, 96 years old. Oh, wow. Can you believe this guy? Wow. Unbelievable. Sure enough, he comes to see me. His wife had passed away, and he wanted to, um, he wanted to disinherit some of his children. Mm, so I feel like laughing when I hear that. <laughs> I guess it's not something you should it. laugh at. Screw them. At right. 96, he's decided. Right. I guess those children are probably like in their 70s or yeah. something. <laughs> that right. Holy so, smokes. Well, actually, they're not that old. No, I okay. think he oh. had children later in oh, life. Oh, wow. Okay, okay. I would say <laughs> that the majority of them at the time were in their 50s. Okay. Maybe okay. the eldest was 60. Okay, got it. Um, And uh, he had three daughters and a son and one the son lived with him was living with him with his wife and children in the same home taking care of their father because he needed help so the son sold his house and um and uh he sold his house so that he could go live with his son what does he do he gives the son a whack of money um you know saying here we go you know you're taking care of me and yada yada thank you for that um but his biggest gripe was that he had three daughters who Never reached out to talk to him, call him. When his wife was ill with Alzheimer's and dying, they barely cared. Um, but when mom passed away and dad was 96, they started coming around asking questions about, hey, 
uh, what are you going to do with the house? Uh, what's in the will? And, yeah, uh, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it started getting beyond inquisitive and became aggressive, where they were demanding that you know they see the will and that you better make sure that we're included oh, in geez. this and that. So long story short, I explained to him that by doing this, you're opening up litigation when you're gone, and your son is going to have to fend off lawsuits from your his sisters, your daughters, and all, because although we have testamentary freedom, we also have the right to go to court and plead our case. And what people do is they try to find ways to um, find holes in that person's will or circumstances such as undue influence, or they were coerced to do that. The child who got more influenced the parent. Uh, or scared them, said, I'm going to kick you out and you're going to live on the street if you don't leave everything to me. So Got they, it. they have to make a case to prove that. Oh, right? So let's just say, without getting too much into this, that it's probably the most disgusting part of what I see in my practice. It really turns my stomach when I see family fighting with family yeah. over money. But it is so prevalent today that, you know... It's just a yeah. flock of lawyers have just flocked into this area, A, because there's a demand for it, yeah, and because it's so lucrative. So anyway, I, I thought I would say that. So it's important for people to know, everyone always asks me, well, I can do whatever I want. By the way, I turn away most people who call me wanting to disinherit. Mm -hmm. And That's this a lawsuit is waiting to happen. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this is the problem today. It's actually, this is what bothers me so much is that we as lawyers, because we've drafted the will, the onus is on us to be the capacity assessor to establish, by law, I'm required when I prepare a will for someone that I have to determine whether that person has the mental capacity and wherewithal to understand what they are telling me in drafting that will for them. I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist, but- And then you, you could be even be forced to defend your decision, I assume. I do. At some point. Repeated. You liable for, for losses. I do. Yeah. I am involved. What a profession that you're in. a number Angelo, of... you should change. But is it too late? You get right? into a different... <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, I was thinking... I've always given lawyers a hard time. I always give lawyers a hard time. But now yeah, I'm yeah, hearing this. Yeah. I'm like, okay, may maybe there's something that they've earned here. <laughs> right. So, so I'm getting busier because most of my colleagues have decided they don't want to do this sure. anymore. Yeah, and I can't really blame them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So what does that do then? It drives up the cost, mm -hmm. right? So when I started practicing 25 years ago, we would do wills, basic wills for people, right? I die everything to my wife or husband. We're both dead to the kids equally. We were doing wills for 300 bucks 20 years ago. Now I would say they've gone, you know, well into the thousands, depending on how many trusts are involved and things like that. Broken families, broken families, yeah, remarriages, right? Children from different families. Yeah. Sorry, children well, okay, from. Uh, okay, so how do we? Uh, okay, so what do people do? What do they think about when asking to get a will? Is there a standard advice that you would give, like in looking at the lawyer? Like, what should the type of lawyer? You know, some people are might reach out to you, Angelo. But if they're not, if they're listening to this, and I don't know, they're in British Columbia, and they're going to reach out to a local lawyer. Is there are there questions they should ask of a lawyer? A hundred percent. I mean, all the information is on the internet. First of all, I have people come into my office already knowing. Oh, I know what an executor is, and I read this. This just like my eighty-five-year-old client last week. 
she was testing me. I know what she was doing. She had done all this research on the internet and came in and started grilling me because she knew the answers, which is great. It helps me do my job. But in a simple, in a nutshell, people who do enough of this in my business, they have standardized a lot of the uh, questioning. So what we do is, as soon as a client comes to see me and they decide they want to retain us to prepare their wills or whatever else is involved, we have a questionnaire that we'll send out to them. And in that questionnaire, we ask them to give us as much detail as possible. You know, have you been married before? Do you have a cohab agreement, a marriage contract, kids, any divorces, health, uh, what assets do you own, registered, unregistered, real estate? I want it all. You know, it's, usually, it's probably about 20 pages long. And what people really like about that is actually is that it doesn't just help me to understand what sure. you have. Sure, it's helping them. It's yeah, helping yeah. them, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, no, no, it really is. And it's like, where's, where's the debt? And, um, you know, oftentimes it starts with a person like me, like the accountant, uh, financial planner, right? And uh, I, I, I have a bit of an answer for your question. Anybody who's listening across the country, when you're looking for a lawyer, that does this my sniff test because i deal with so, yeah sure you would be so many yeah. lawyers i deal with so many lawyers when it comes to wills and estates is this a significant portion of their practice aka 30 percent or more of their practice if it is not just spend the extra five hundred thousand dollars and go with someone who does this five hundred no like, i think you said five hundred thousand no 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 sorry five, <laughs> spend the extra oh, five hundred bucks yeah, yeah sorry right. five hundred or a thousand or a thousand yeah. bucks right <laughs> five hundred like the difference between someone who does this as a significant component of their practice and someone who doesn't okay that's a good filter you know sure. it, it's yeah they're going to charge a little bit more you know why because they know what's involved whereas yeah the, they've seen all the screw the up. jack of all trades doesn't know what's involved and they're just going to put it to put it together and the, the issue is, in my opinion, you know, if we rewind back to the probably one of the first times I came on this show, you asked me what estate planning is, I believe. Right. And I said, listen, estate planning is really you got a bunch of stuff and you want to know where it's going to go. You care about who's going to get that stuff. Right. And really, the, the master document that that dictates this is captured in the will. It's really captured in the will, not the memo that I write that has instructions to an insurance guy, to a lawyer, to a, your own accountant. It's not It's not that document. That's the plan overall. It's all carried out by the will because if the drafting of the will is incorrect, it's all going to crumble. It's just going to crumble. And to spend a couple thousand bucks to make sure that you know, when you die, you don't have to be worrying about that. And I've dealt with people on their deathbed you know what i mean jeez one of my one of my long time one of my first clients who was actually a client of um, rockstar um i met her through rockstar just passed away and i yeah, was in the hospital I, with I her i know who you're talking you know what about, i'm talking yeah. about right and i'm telling you right now the biggest thing on people's mind when they're on their deathbed i kid you not is their money and how it's Who going to get money. transferred mm -hmm. to the beneficiaries. Yeah. That is the last, it sounds stupid, but that is legit the last thing people are thinking about. I was probably the first person yeah. this person texted or called. Because mm -hmm. yeah, at that point, you're not going to have any more experiences. You're not going to hang out with family it's anymore. Now it's, it's done. done. Now you want to make sure the people that yeah. you love I get it. are taken care of. So like I said, she was the 
I was the first person. So now I can see your call. pain and why you wanted to talk about this because if you find someone doesn't have a will, immediately you're like, oh shit, this just got 10 times more complicated and some people are going to get screwed that maybe shouldn't get screwed. Many people are going to get screwed that shouldn't get screwed, right? So it's not necessarily about just the tax plan and, and just that. It's about the mess that I want to avoid. I've been involved um, as a financial advisor and accountant, tax advisor to a number of different estates. And I had an estate that took more than 20 years to wind up and close out. More than 20, we had to do a voluntary disclosure on a disposition of a property by the trust, by the, the estate. There was litigation involved between the different beneficiaries. There was a second marriage. It was just a complete disaster. Could easily have been taken care of with a properly drafted will. These people had a two-pager that whomever it is that closed their property back in the 70s put it together and it didn't really list anything out Jeez. properly. This is, a, this is a good commercial for just spend everything you have in your last couple of years. <laughs> just spend, spend it all. Spend Sell it. everything and spend it. That, well, spend that, that, that's what my elderly clients <laughs> yeah, resolved at the end of the meeting. We're going to go <laughs> right. blow it all. Just blow it all. Spend, it's just easier. This is the easier right. way out for everybody. Right. <laughs> and, okay. and it's really, it's really not that difficult of a task. It's I'm not, in the process right know. now with Angelo of doing doing my will my parents are in the process of doing their will with him and my mom's a lawyer yeah. right she could easily just yeah but you want the own. specialty exactly okay so there's this intake form 20 pages long or so you gather all the information from that then angela you and your office make a judgment call on how to structure this will it's not really a judgment call it's guided by the client and our advice to the client and by the way i don't operate in a vacuum usually if the clients have you know, enough assets. I'm working with the accountant. Yeah, got it. So if Fabio's sending them to me, I will talk to him and I'll say, okay, what's what's the deal here? What do they have? They have companies, you know, like I met with someone the other day, had three companies, successful guy in construction, right? And, uh, you know. It turns out they actually had a second will. And it turns and that's out that's what I sent. I sent them. Right. I sent them for a second <laughs> will because a second will, you can avoid probate. A corporate will. Yeah. Corporate will, basically. Right, you can avoid probate, and I said, "Hey, listen, by the probate time, tax is that one and a half percent? One and a half percent of the fair market value of anything that goes through the court." Okay, and the, and a second will. How do you 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 have a second will in place specifically for your corporations or owned and by your there's, corporations? There's a couple things you can put in a second will. So right? it, it, let's not get it's colloquially called a corporate will, but okay. The reason why I don't like calling it a corporate will is because of what you just said. It doesn't just deal with corporate assets. Okay, got it. So. We, do you want to talk about that now? Let's hold for one second. I on wanted this. to make one yeah, yes, yes. really important yeah. comment. And it was about Fabio's statement where he met with this lady who was in the hospital dying. Um, I get those calls all the time, right? Um, because either they need, the kids need a power of attorney, uh, which we haven't even talked about. But when we do an estate plan, it involves powers of attorney and a will. Because what people forget is, the will speaks when you die. The powers of attorney apply while you're still alive, but you may be mentally or physically incapable of making decisions on your own. So you get the call from the hospital, and it's uh, you know a child whose parent, the, the, the husband or wife has died, they're alone, and the doctors need to perform some procedure, and they can't because under our Healthcare Consent Act, and by law, doctors require consent, legal consent, to perform 
procedures such as surgeries. And if the patient is unable to provide it, they have to get it from someone. And that someone, if there's no power of attorney giving that someone the authority to make that decision on behalf of the patient who's in a coma or whatever, Alzheimer's, unable to make that decision, you've got a problem. You've got to go to court, spend a lot of money to convince a judge to give that person the authority to make those decisions. So what I wanted to say about what he was saying is about that woman that that happened to me about two months ago, but it brought up a really important point. If that woman is married, it's not so bad. Right. Okay? Because the odds are that she probably has jointly held assets with her spouse or a child or whatever if she's elderly. The problem arises for people who are common law, who are not legally married. And unfortunately, in this province of Ontario, common law partners, spouses, have different legal entitlements than legally married spouses. And today, I don't want to shoot out a number, but I think common law outnumber the legally married. It's very possible, right? Especially uh, for tax common law, it's one year. Cohabitation for family law, my understanding, is three years. Right. And then for estates, estate law, like, I don't even know. Well, yeah, it's complicated, but it's it's dependent on a number of factors, right? right? But let's say it's two to three years, common law, right? Yeah. So you get a situation where someone owns a house with their common law partner. Let's say it's the husband, the husband, the spouse, the partner. <laughs> you got to be careful how you yeah, yeah, classify yeah. people, right? Yeah. Okay, so let's say the partner, being the man, has legal title to the home that they live in. Because when they decided they were going to cohabit, the, he had a house and she just moved in. Okay, got it. And they've lived there for the last, which is very common, by the way. One of them typically has title to a home. They may have their own home. They sell it or rent it out while they move in with the other one, uh, with the other partner's spouse uh, property. Um, and they never put the property into joint ownership. Now, the partner who has title to the house might have children from a previous marriage. So in his mind, he's like, well, if I die, I want to make sure my kids are provided for from my previous marriage. Um, now the common law partner, the, the female, the woman, she's been living there for 20 years. She's probably contributed to the mortgage, to the repairs, the upkeep, but legally she has no entitlement if he dies to that property. She would have to bring a very complicated legal action called a constructive trust claim to establish that she has rights in that property because she's contributed money, labor, services over a period of 20 years. Now she's going to be drawn into a fight with the kids who probably received everything under their father's will, right? Mm-hmm. But she has no entitlements. It, I, it gets I, even I just worse. I that was the matrimonial home under common they're law. Not, they're after. not married. But, I, but they're not legally married. So what's the whole deal with common? Okay, we don't. That sounds like a but, whole other but thing. But I okay. want people to understand by this example the complexity of yeah, this I'm starting area. To see that. Because what it draws on, and that's why when you and I first met, we started talking. I told you about how I got into this. Yeah. All right. <laughs> you got sucked into it, and now you're the the well, expert because you've been <laughs> seen so much of it. Right. Yeah. But you see, most people don't go to these big law firms downtown where I started. 
See, the beauty of big law firms is that you've got people in every discipline working there. So if I was a lawyer downtown, I'd walk down the hall and go talk to the tax guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go down the hall talk to the separate, the divorce guy or the family lawyer. Or if I had an employment question, I'd go back to the employment lawyer. But most of us who don't work in large law firms, and most people can't afford $800 to $1,000 an hour for those type of lawyers, right? Usually big companies deal with them. They will go to a lawyer like myself and if they don't know what they're doing and they're dabbling, just preparing a basic will that they printed yeah. off the yeah. internet and thinking they've done their client a service, well, they've possibly done a really big disservice to that person and their family and heirs because they're unaware of the interpolation or the, you know, how family law affects real estate law, affects tax law, affects estates law. All of these things intertwining. Okay. I'm right. sold on uh, the, the importance of a basic will. Um, it's right. not basic anymore from yeah. what I understand. I, so, and I, and I that's the point. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Okay. So it's, it's super important. I want to, I want to ask you a couple other questions here, but on the will still, is there an order of like who gets precedent? If, if there's taxes going on in a state and there's creditors on the estate and there's beneficiaries, is there like a default order? Does like CRA always get paid first and then the creditors or, or is there, how does the money get that's actually first a good there? question for you. You want me to answer yeah. it? Okay, so is it case by case, or is it always CRAs getting their no, money? No, there's there's a pretty de facto procedure. Okay, um, creditors have to always get paid. First. Okay, um, typically the will, a standard will, will have a provision that says. Sorry, Angela, can you go oh, come back? Sorry. I apologize. Yeah. No, no, it's okay. Um, typically, a will will start off saying, "Executor, I want you to take in all of my assets that form part of my estate." And from those assets, whether they're liquid or illiquid, pay all my just debts that are due and owing. Got it. Okay. So that's, that's the how first step. Okay. Right? You can't go and start distributing stuff without paying taxes and your creditors and all of that. In fact, one of the first things that an executor has to do is they have to uh, publish uh, the death or notice to creditors. And it's a protective mechanism for executors. We don't do it all the time. Um, for example, if I'm dealing with an elderly couple, you know, they were employed, had, were salaried employees for most of their lives, didn't own a business, really yeah, okay. wouldn't have any creditors. Yeah, I get it. I'm not too worried. Um, but if they have substantial assets, own businesses, now the potential or the risk of them having debts is much higher. If you as an executor do not publish, it's a cover your ass mechanism. Mm -hmm. You basically, there's m methods or mediums upon which we uh, advertise for creditors. There's one in the Canada Gazette, the Ontario Reports. Now there's an electronic service, which is really nice, um, where they allow you to publish um, electronically on this service, and it's deemed to be sufficient service under our legislation. So by doing that, you as the executor, you protect yourself. You say, I advertise for creditors, nobody came forward, so I'm good, now I can start liquidating the estate. God forbid you don't, and as you're liquidating the estate or you've distributed the estate, you find out, you get a letter in the mail. Somebody shows somebody up. Somebody shows yeah. up and says, hey, this guy owed me $800,000 for money I lent him. Or CRA says, hey, you know, he hasn't paid source deductions for like 30 well, one, years. One of the key things <laughs> from a tax... Oh, by the way, sorry, yeah. to finish off, yeah. the executor is personally liable for those debts. Yes. Oh, no way. So, yeah, so Absolutely. the executor is personally liable for filing 
all of the all of the deceased previous tax returns that have not been filed along with the terminal return and the rights and things return if they're if That's they choose to file a rights and things return along with the graduated rate estate returns blah 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 all these returns have to be filed by the executor so when someone names and the money has to be paid so if you die and you're 10 years back 10 years uh late on your which i dealt with this before you're 10 years late on filing the executor has to make sure you're caught up right so for but nothing can escape the estate because if there's not enough money in the estate to pay for some unpaid taxes the executor can't fall on the executor. No, no, unless the executor messed up. Messed up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right? Okay. That's what I, I get that. Up. I was gonna say that's fair. I still don't even think that's fair, but I get that. But I, get I think that, that yeah. the normal rules for debts, and correct me if I'm wrong, Angelo, would apply here. You know, secured debts obviously are gonna come first. Um, unpaid for let's say you have a sole proprietorship or some unpaid um, trust type taxes such as HST and um, payroll remittances, that comes that comes uh, Makes before, sense. Okay. before, let's say, an income tax amount or whatnot. There's going to be a, 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 a sort of a hierarchy. A pecking order. Right? Yeah. There's going to be a pecking order yeah. on the debts. But the idea is, as the executor, you know, you want to make sure that all the debts are paid and that you've, made, you've taken every possible um, measure to pay all of those debts and then get some sort of confidence, let's say, getting a clearance certificate from the CRA stating that everything is filed, everything is good, and you've paid all your you yeah. paid all the wow. taxes. So okay. we're gonna finish this discussion with you yeah. telling us that executors don't make enough money yeah. for what they have to deal with. Yeah, I'm starting to see that it's the executor, gonna come around. Because now I could see like it's, it's uh yeah. I think I think Nick and I over the years have been named like people will just let us know and, uh, you know, hey, you know, I think, could they have done this to yes, us? Yes, they can, but you don't have to accept. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and that, you know, I think sometimes you're like, oh, well, that's nice. Thanks for letting yeah. us know. I guess you yeah, appreciate you us Thanks with us, such a responsibility. Um, but now hearing all this, this sounds like a disaster. <laughs> yeah, I personally, <laughs> I personally, I act often as an advisor to an estate. Yeah. But my my role is more on let's time the the tax mechanism and and the cash flow of the estate well before people die. Um, dealing with the estate after yeah matter it's not my yeah that's thing. where your planning it seems to come in. Yeah. Okay, so there's there's so much more even to ask you just on this will here. But now I want to just transition a little bit to the corporate will. So okay. can you summarize, what is a corporate will for those people who have not heard of it and what would be the benefit of having one? So it's not really a corporate will. It's, um, that's a colloquialism. Oh, sorry. I okay. think is it a, sec is it a second will? Yeah. Is, it, is that what you it's prefer? A, it's a secondary will. Yeah. Okay. So accountants love to call it corporate will because it satisfies a need for them in the corporate context. Okay. Right? So by law, you can have multiple wills. Start off with that. Okay, there's a case, 1998, Ontario Court of Appeal, called Gronofsky. Long story short, the Ontario Court of Appeal came out and said, hey guys, um, um, CRA challenged a woman who had multiple wills. She had two wills to minimize uh, the burden of estate tax. And the CRA challenged it. And it went to the courts. Well, finally, appellate court decided, no, no, no. She's entitled to have as many wills as she wants. As long as she's not doing anything that's uh, evading tax, you know, deemed to be tax evasion, um, um, individuals are free to organize their affairs in the most tax efficient manner. I believe that's what the judge said. 
And he went on to say, individuals can have as many wills as they like, or a primary and a secondary will. So multiple wills means you can have more than one will. In the old days, before this case, everybody typically had one will, right? When you die, everything falls into your estate, right? That's where, you know, all the tax issues arise. There's a deemed disposition on death, right? And it triggers all this tax. Um, not only probate fees, but income tax, capital gains, and, and whatnot, other income taxes. Um, so lawyers and accountants started getting crafty over the years. How do we minimize all these taxes our clients got to pay with this will and when they die? So intervivals trusts started getting created, you know, which are living wills in the mm -hmm. U.S., they call them. Family trusts. Spousal trusts. Spousal yeah. trusts, you know. Uh, so all of these fancy mechanisms. But in 1998, this court case kind of opened up this world, this additional possibility to minimize probate fees. So how does it work? Well, it's quite simple. When you die, everything falls into your will. You got a will, that's your primary will, and it deals with all your assets. However, maybe people don't know this, you know, you hear the word probate. It's an old word, but we still use it today. Probate means your executor that you've named in that will has this will that says that he's got to go and divide all these assets among these beneficiaries. So he's going to show up at the bank and say, hey, look, I got a will. It says here that you got to give me all the money in that bank account because the guy died. I'm his executor. It says right here, and I got to give it to his beneficiaries. The banker's going to look at him like, who the hell are yeah, you? Get out of here. I don't know who you are. So as a method of legitimizing the executor's role and validating the will, because we all know third parties, in particular institutions like banks, insurance companies, hate liability, right? They don't want to be sued after by some beneficiary saying, hey, that wasn't the valid last will and testament. It was amended three or four times before, you know, mom or dad died. So as a method of validating that will, that it is in fact the last will and testament of the deceased, and giving the executor the legal authority they need to be able to deal with the assets and administer them, we, the, the English courts developed the probate system. So th there's a court, it was traditionally called the probate court, now it's the estates court. And what will happen is when someone dies, the executor will call the lawyer and say, um, what do I need to do? So we'll take a look at the assets. Typically, we may need to send it off to probate. And at that point, to get that will probated, they have to pay tax, the executor. And the tax is that 1.5% that you mentioned. Um, on the total value of the assets falling within the will. Okay. Now, you don't need probate. Everybody says, well, I got to pay probate. Not everyone requires a will to be probated because the reason for probate is that third parties are asking for this. It's either third parties are asking for it or the law mandates it. So when does the law mandate it? I'll give you an easy example. Real estate. If you own real estate in the land title system in Ontario, which is probably 98% of all titles in Ontario, because we started transferring them all into the land title, the Torrens system in 1984, um, the Land Titles Act specifically states that for land to be transferred from a deceased, right, for an executive to transfer that land, they require a transmission application. That's a formal document that you go to the real estate lawyer, he's going to prepare a transmission application transferring 
the legal title of that property into the trustee's name or the executor's name so that they can sell it to a third party, right? To be able to get to that place, you need to probate the will. And the Land Titles Act makes that clear, okay? So that's why, you know, you have probate. Now, there are exceptions. This is where it gets really gray, right? So you've got some of these properties under the registry system. The old properties. So most properties that are still in registry that haven't been converted, there's a few left. It's typically older properties in the city of Toronto, believe it or not, because the city of Toronto probably has the oldest real estate in the province. It was the first settled area. Rural properties, crown lands, things like that. Uh, but old properties and typically rural properties. Now, there's an exception where if the testator, the deceased, bought that property under the registry system before all the lands were converted to land titles and they did nothing with that property, meaning there were no first dealings with that property by the date of death, then there's an exemption and you don't have to probate the will to transfer that property under that person's uh, uh, will. Okay, so that's just one example. Another one is trusts, right? If you have an interest in a family trust or you might, someone might hold a property in trust for you where you retain beneficial ownership but they have legal title, that doesn't fall. There's no requirement for probate. So this is some probate planning that we do with our clients to minimize the fees and taxes that they pay when they die. So I'm going to get to the secondary will now. So we have two wills, let's call it, right? Primary, secondary. Easier way to think of them is public, private. Some people, lawyers like to use a public will, private will, when they refer to them. Public meaning all wills that get probated are a matter of public record because they get filed at the courthouse. So anybody can go and see what this person's will said. You pay the, the whatever the wow. the fee is. Got it. Yeah, so yeah. it's a public will. It's like pulling title. I think I remember doing that title offices seven bucks or eight bucks, and I could pull right. title. Well, it's gone up since then. Has it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old. Yeah, it's not seven. Seven bucks, inflation, man. Inflation. I don't remember seven bucks. How old are you? <laughs> yeah, someone <laughs> recently <laughs> called me long in the tooth. They said you're pretty long in the tooth. I don't know. I'm pretty old. <laughs> yeah. So so anyway, they so you public will gets probated and that gets registered at the estates court and anyone can see it. Then you have your private will or your secondary will, which the accounts like to call the corporate will. That will, what we do is we will have everything that doesn't require probate to go into that will. And it's called private because nobody sees it. The accounts like to call it the corporate will because it primarily deals with private shares uh, shares in private corporations owned by individuals. So you have a company, a holding company that owns real estate. Got it. Okay. A business, an operating business, a manufacturing business, your business here, whatever. You own shares in a company. What happens to those shares when you die? How are they disposed of? Well, if you only had one will, all of these assets would fall into that will. We'd have to get it probated. We have to determine the value of all these mm -hmm. assets and you got to pay tax on that. So this is almost a way of just sheltering a portion of your assets right. off the will. Right. Off the off the public will into the private well, will. Well, it's off public record and yeah. you don't have to pay the probate. Yeah, so got it. Easily, easily this could save hundreds of thousands of dollars with if somebody has, some of your clients have 15 properties. Yeah, yeah. By the time they die, that could easily be worth, you know, the 
the mortgages are paid off, it's worth $15 million, $20 million. Yeah. Right. You if do you the math. extrapolate out 20 years from today, yeah. 30 years from today. Yeah. You right. do the math that that's hundreds of thousands of dollars of probate. Plus it's all public. Nosy yeah. people can go and see and what they have. See what they wow. have. So have a private high home. net worth families typically started doing this because they wanted the privacy. They didn't want the public to know what they mm -hmm. owned. So they started sheltering under these secondary wills because nobody sees that. The only people who see the secondary will are the accountant, the lawyer executor. who drafted it, and CRA. Got it. And eventually the executor. Yeah. Okay. Right? So that's how we shelter okay. right? uh, assets and minimize probate fees. Trusts are another method. Yeah, there's so many. Uh, like, yeah, so what's your favorite? Because I know there's so many here. Yeah. But between maybe, I don't know, Fab, if you want to call her, Angela, you, what's, look, what's one other thing? I know a lot of people throw out the term family trust. You know, is that something that you deal with a yeah, lot or see a lot? see that. I uh, mean, if you have assets, you can do a role of assets into a corporation, freeze the value for mom and dad, and then issue the growth shares to a discretionary family trust. And, you know, then all the growth of the assets over the, let's say, last 20 years of mom and dad's life goes to the kids. And the kids are the beneficiaries. It doesn't even have to be probated. There's no nothing to probate, right? Because the preferred shares would presumably go under a secondary will, a second will. Mm -hmm. And the trust assets technically belong to the kids anyways. So Family trust, yeah. though, if you, you probably... I've seen a million of they them. They don't really help people who own real estate. It's yeah. more for on. It's more for operating, operating businesses yeah, or holding yeah. companies, yeah. right? Or, or if the real estate is already in a holding company. One of the issues that we've been dealing with, and I was speaking to you about it, is implementing an estate freeze for people that own property personally is a little bit difficult in Ontario because there's no mirroring provisions to Section 85 of the Income Tax Act that allows us to bypass capital gains taxation by transferring mm -hmm. property to a corporation um you just have to pay land transfer tax end of story and then it becomes very expensive i'm investigating um uh, an alternative using a, a partnership or a limited partnership i believe you were talking about a general partnership mm -hmm. but um i'm seeing it um with a limited partnership some success there and partnership units or interest you, in a you partnership. Were, you were mentioning, is that like a specialty? Because I feel like most people don't know about partnerships. Partnerships are very uncommon. Um, they're, they're, they're very common, let's say, in the West West Coast, I think, with uh, oil and gas and that kind of stuff. They're okay. very, very popular. Um, they're very popular um, limited partnerships, and for real example. Estate yeah, real estate holdings. Yeah. For conglomerate real estate holdings, limited partnerships are a very useful tool in professional services, um, limited liability partnerships are very popular. I think that they're an underutilized um, structure because they are inherently a little bit more complicated. And expensive. And expensive yeah. um, from both a legal standpoint and from um, a tax reporting and accounting standpoint than just your straight corporation. But I am investigating this and I'm actually working as well with Angela on the legal side, um, maybe a structure uh, that I've seen successfully used in the past to freeze um, th freeze these assets, freeze these these pieces of real estate. And this would be something really more for high net worth individuals sure. because the, the, the price for such a reorganization mm -hmm. would be a lot. It would be a lot. It would be a lot of legal drafting, yeah. a lot of accounting, a lot of valuation. I just see the 
importance of dealing with someone like you. I know it's sounding like a commercial for you guys, but I get it because I didn't grow up in a family like this. So I see the importance of someone to understand the insurance element of tax planning. Someone right. to understand the tax specific planning right. of, uh, and I mean legal on the legal side and for you just right. looking at the overall estate and then like the legal structures that you are, you know, the corporations you have set up, the wills, the second will. Now I don't even know what to call the second will. Right. All these kind of things that you need in place. It, it, it is like you need your own power team on once you start building up some assets in your life, which I've never really thought about. I always just thought about like, hey, you're going to build a business and, you know, you're going to have some real estate. You need the right real estate lawyer. You need a good accountant. But I've always looked at it from the growth aspect, not from like the distribution aspect as you kind of get older. But it's not even just that. Think about real estate, right? So we act for a lot of people in construction. A lot of our clients are not just investors of real estate. We act for developers who develop real estate and builders, right? So when you say, you know, we grew up and we never dealt with this, I understand that because everybody started off with a rental property yeah. at some point. <laughs> yeah. And then they bought two. Yeah. And then they decided they wanted to get into the home renovation business. And then they decided, I'm going to start buying lots and I'm going to start building houses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> now yeah. I think okay. I want to do... An infill yeah, with yeah. 10 of them. That's yeah. exactly. And that's Actually, how. we recorded another podcast today <laughs> on exactly what you just described. Right? But Literally exactly but what I've you just described. But I've seen this in my own practice. So my yeah. clients, when I say I grow with my clients, yeah. my clients started off yeah, yeah. small guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they it. eventually became builders. So you got to understand how limited partnerships work because these are the vehicles they're using. You got to understand how joint ventures work and how that comes into play in estate planning and taxation. So long story short, what I'm trying to say is I'm reinforcing and reiterating exactly what you said. It's so complicated. There's so much involved yeah. that you need a team. Yeah. I'm just Ooh. disappointed because I used to be able to make fun of lawyers a lot, Angelo. <laughs> I used to make fun Go of lawyers ahead. all I love the time. It. I make fun you know? of them all the I time. I rip lawyers every <laughs> yeah. day of my life. Like they went to school. And now I'm valuing them. Yeah, I'm valuing them more and more. Like I'm valuing the lawyers more and more, and I'm disappointed in myself. You know. Well, listen. <laughs> I, I would tell you right now. By, by the way, there are shoemakers <laughs> in every field. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And we can even say that about doctors today. I hate oh, to say yeah. that. But this, yeah, every, you know, every field, every, every field's going to have people that take shortcuts. Yeah. But ultimately, yeah. the idea is, you know, I, what I, I when I started off, I tried to do everything because I was like, I didn't want to say no to a client. Mm. And now I'm saying no as much as I say yes, because it's like, mm. like I said, I, I had a couple, I had four new client inquiries today. And one of them was a hard no after the first sentence. But I continued with it and I said, you're going to go to this other guy. He's a yeah. reorg specialist, blah, 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 blah. Because why am I going to try to figure that out? Yeah, there was it's too complex. 10, 15 grand of work on the table. But then if I screw it up, there's 250 grand of liability. <laughs> yeah, right. right. It's just not not worth it. So um, we'll wrap because there's more. I, I feel like we've gone uh, well over an, an hour yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, but so yeah. we can wrap here. I feel like I want to talk to you more about like just your thoughts on trust and all limi right. limited partnerships and when and where and how. But we can leave that for another day. Maybe yeah. I can bug you guys to come in. Is there anything else just on the whole will idea that you wanted to get across? I think I, it's clear to me the, the responsibility of the executor. 
the, the, the importance of that role. And now I can see why they would get paid some, you know, I understand that money. and the importance of just having a, a goodwill in place. Um, it's very clear to me. I think the, we got the point. I think the big uh, takeaway here today for me, I want this, I really came here to make this point. It's not to impress people with big fancy words. That's, you know, we, we can get into the complex stuff for people if they need it. But most people don't need that. When I say most, let's, you know, the average income in this country for a couple is what? $63,000? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 70 yeah. grand. Something 70 like grand? That, yeah. So let's assume mo the average person comes to us who's in that category, owns their own house, has a mortgage on it, maybe a cottage, whatever. Those people need a will because you don't bother to invest and it is the greatest investment you'll make in your life, not your RSPs and your TFSAs and all of that, because they'll go up and down. But one thing is certain, you're going to die. And when you die, you don't want to leave a mess for your beneficiaries. Mm -hmm. And you will leave a mess for them without a will. I think that's the big takeaway. Even if it's a basic will, get it done. And then, as you grow and your assets grow, you can get into all of these other sure, all these weird, all and other weird It's stuff. become clear to me also that if you could just spend everything you have strategically. Yes, time <laughs> it for the just last Just time it on moment. your last day. You're yeah. going down with the last hundred bucks, right? I'm sure your kids would love that, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what? You I, I've, I've, seen enough, I've seen enough people, like I said, I've seen, I, I deal with money. That's what I do. I deal with money. And... Um, High net worth individuals, for the most part, other than crooks, right? And even crooks, when you get that news from the doctor that you're going to die, most people don't say, you know, fuck it, I'm going to go party. Yeah, yeah, they start trying most to get people, organized. The first thing that comes to their mind is the, my who, kids, the people that I'm family. leaving. My family, mm -hmm. my children, yeah. my spouse. That is the first thing that comes to their mind. And that is the last thing on their mind until they take their last breath. So it's an important thing. The reason I brought I, I brought Angelo on to talk about this stuff is because I'm not an expert on it, and I and I get questions from the listeners and from yeah, we know lots of our clients will ask you, and and uh, I don't have the answer, yeah. so I wanted to bring him on just to touch on it so I that we get that. the idea. I, I, you guys are an interesting spot because I feel like the perspective that you both have on life is interesting to me because you deal with this so much. Mm -hmm. You see the transition of family. You see people at the end of their lives. You right. see some of the arguing that goes on. And I think it might kind of strangely help you in your lives prioritize what's important and not important. You know, because you're just seeing all this stuff. And I feel like sometimes it might just help you get your own priorities in order. I mean, that's not in my business. I'm just thinking from your seats. You have a view into people's lives that sometimes yeah. their most, you know... Uh, emotional moment their most vulnerable moments and right. not all of us see that regularly it's it can be it can also weigh on you so take care of yourselves you know as you go i'll be fine. as you go through well listen <laughs> one of the benefits of seeing craziness in everybody's lives is looking at your own and saying shit i got a pretty good life. yeah pretty good life so I, i'm pretty good <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah yeah so uh, angela where do people find, if they yeah. listen to this and they want to find you do you want to just define who's a good client for you or the website how, how would people reach out to you and I who mean, would reach out to you when it comes to wills and estate planning anyone is a good client who wants a will um, if, but you know, I'm uh, happy to help them. I'm not going to be the cheapest guy on the block. I won't be the most expensive, but when you come to me, you're going to get a breadth of experience. I've got 25 years of experience. And Ontario 
probably an Ontario resident? Must be, well, someone who owns assets in, in Ontario. Ontario. So okay. we have BC clients who have assets here and in British Columbia. We cannot deal with the British Columbia assets or real estate. They have Got to have it. their okay. own will over there. Okay. That's a discussion so assets for assets in Ontario. Day. Right. Okay. Right. And your website, we will put links here, but the website is your last name law. So, so Vumbaka Law. Yeah. V-U-M-B-A-C-A Law. Dot com. Yeah. We'll put the link in the show notes. If you're listening to this while you're driving or walking or running, whatever you're doing while you're listening to this, uh, we'll put the show notes, uh, the link to Angelo's website there. And then Fab, just uh, for those people who are hearing you for the first right. time, your you know, who's your ideal client? My ideal client, honestly, is, is somebody who's looking for truly integrated tax and financial planning so it's not just you're coming to me to get a tax return you're looking for the full financial plan um i take care of the, the tax planning the estate planning the investment planning kind of i'm looking at the, the whole accounting thing. as well yeah like yeah, the, yeah, yeah yeah all the yeah, accounting it, it's uh, every- when, I, when i get a client they often come to me for everything right it starts with one and they come to me for everything that's primarily how i'm how i've designed my practice now so it's not like I'm taking on everybody who wants a tax return. I generally don't take on people who just want a tax return because I can't handle. Yep. I can't handle it, right? But it's you want you're looking for somebody who's going to give you integrated financial support. Yeah, cool. That's what it is. Thank you both, Fab. This is uh, you know you've done this a few times. You come on yourself. You've come on with different people. The expertise that you guys offer to anyone listening here is hugely valuable. So really appreciate this, both of you. Thank, thank you, you so much for thanks doing for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Hey everyone, hopefully you enjoyed that chat with Fabio and Angelo. Here are their websites in case you need to reach out to them. Fabio Campanella can be found at campanellagroup.com. That's campanellagroup.com. And Angelo Vumbaka can be found at vumbakalaw.com. That is V-U-M-B-A-C-A-Law.com. Both of those URLs will be linked in the show notes of this particular episode. And you can find all the show notes for all the podcast episodes, including this one, at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcasts. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash podcasts. And if you're listening to this and you want to get started on your own real estate investing journey and you want a bit more information before you take the plunge, you can get a free digital copy of our book, Income for Life for Canadians. It's been downloaded tens of thousands of times and you can get a free digital copy at rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's rockstarinnercircle.com forward slash books. That's it for this episode. Until next time, your life, your terms. <laughs>